that. Robert, take your Bibles if you would. And of course, what he just sang about was what God's instructions to Joshua was. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so take your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation. If you're not familiar, it's the last book in your Bible. And let's stand, if you can, for the reading of God's word. Revelation chapter number two. Revelation chapter number two. Last week, we started into these uh, churches known as the seven churches of Asia Minor. And uh, we looked at the church in Ephesus last week. And today, we're going to look at this second church that is mentioned here, the church in Smyrna. And uh, this is uh, the portion that we have, Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8. We'll read down to verse number 11. And so the Word of God says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. And let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. And I thank you for the church. Thank you for giving yourself for it, Lord, that you have purchased the church with your own blood. And we understand that a church is a body of believers. And Lord, we're thankful for those that have assembled here today. And I pray that we, as the church known as Bible Baptist Church, that we would have our, our, our hearts and our eyes open this morning spiritually to see your words to this church in Smyrna. And Lord, I pray that we would learn some lessons from the Word of God and that as we go from here, Lord, that we would be a church that in spite of what we may face in the days ahead, that Lord, we, we will be faithful to a God who has been everything, who has been so very faithful to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for reading of God's word. Now certainly when you think about the, the message this morning and how that I've entitled this message, I Pledge Allegiance. You say, Pastor, last week was July 4th. I understand that. But the portion of scripture that we face this morning is a group of Christians who then in spite of all that they face, much like our forefathers as Americans, that they said in their hearts that with all that's going on around us, with all the opposition, with all the persecution, that we will stay true to God, we will stay and keep our allegiance to the Lord. You know, we last week we said the pledge, and of course I love the American flag, and I love the United States of America, and we talk about I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and, to, and you think about what that flag stands for. But last week, we followed that up with a pledge to this flag. Now, if you're like me, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a Christian flag. 
much less what the pledge stated to that flag. And I got to thinking this week about this church in Smyrna and how oftentimes we might say that pledge even to the Christian flag, but do we really think about what we're saying? I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag, listen, and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty to all that believe. What a great thought this morning. How that our allegiance it should not be to uh, an organization. It should not be to any one individual outside of the Lord Jesus himself. That we ought to pledge our allegiance to what we oftentimes call Bible Christianity or to the cause of Christ. And when I look at this church, see the church in Ephesus we looked at last week was a church that was very careless. They had forgotten that love that they once had for the Lord. But the church in Smyrna is different than the church in Ephesus. You know, I've been in many churches in our country, and even in some in different countries. And every church I've been in is different. And this church was different from the church last week because instead of the church in Smyrna being careless, it was a church that the Lord was pleased with. It was a church that some referred to as the crowned church. You see, when you look at Smyrna and you look on the map, it was located about 40 miles from Ephesus, that other church that we looked at last week. And if you notice there in your notes, some aspects about this church in Smyrna is that it was a, a church that was famous for its production. I mean, this, the population in Smyrna was about 100,000 people in John's day. And one of the things, probably the most uh, produced thing in Smyrna was known as myrrh. Myrrh is a substance that came from a, a tree that kind of looked like a shrub, and it produced what was known as a bitter gum. And when you studied out the leaves of this tree, they would take the leaves and they would actually crush those leaves. And when they would crush those leaves, it would get forth a, a fragrant odor. It's kind of interesting how they would produce it. Now, we're familiar with myrrh because they presented unto Jesus gold and frankincense and myrrh. And this is one of those three that was mentioned in the birth of Christ. And it was famous for its production, but it was also a city famous for its planning. This was a city that, unlike other cities that sprang up in that day without design, this city was well thought out. The streets were planned down to the very last detail. It was a city that was known for its port because this was a place that ships would come in and they would leave and they would export what was being produced there, this myrrh, this spice. And one of the things why it was so sought out was because myrrh was something that was used for embalming and it was something also used for perfumes. This was something back in that day. The art of the apothecary is what the Word of God mentions. So it was famous for its production, its planning. It was famous for its port, but listen, it was also famous for its paganism. See, just like many in that day, and I can say many in our day, this was a city that had many temples to gods. Among those gods were gods known as, we mentioned last week, 
Diana, Aphrodite, the god of Apollos, and others. And these people did not worship the one true God. They worshiped these false gods, little letter G. And it was very well known and famous for its paganism. Now, it was not so famous in its uh, matter of its proselytes. Someone who is a proselyte would be somebody who, who believed a certain set of beliefs. See, these pagan religions, they dominated the life of Smyrna. This was an area that was a thriving Jewish community, that it was one that was there. There was a lot of Jews in Smyrna. But notice the last thing about it is that it was famous in its position. It was a city that hated Christians. It hated people that, that stood for Christ. It opposed every last aspect about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was in this city that the church in Smyrna existed. And because of their belief and their faith in the Lord, they were undergoing very intense persecution. Another name that many people give to the church in Smyrna is this, the martyr church. The church that had experienced much persecution and many lives were taken for the faith that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I look at these verses, verse 8, 9, 10, and 11 this morning, this small little letter that he writes to the church in Smyrna, I want you to look this morning at the Lord's words. And I want you and I to think about this church and what made it so very special. That during this time of intense persecution and they were struggling, that Jesus comes along to encourage them. Anybody in your life, maybe recently or even now currently, feel like you've gone through some persecution, some struggle in your life? Can anybody identify with that? I think many of us this morning can. And certainly as we live for the Lord, this world is not becoming more friendly to Christianity it's certainly going the other direction, is it not? And I want you to see this morning, first of all, their trial. Look at verse number 9 again. The Bible says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Verse 10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. They were undergoing intense persecution for the testimony that they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, maybe in your life, maybe you haven't undergone intense persecution but if you live for God on your job and other people you work with that are not Christians find out that you are a Christian then I'm sure you've probably experienced maybe a small form of mocking ridicule persecution at your job place the Bible says in Acts chapter 14 and verse 22 it says confirming the souls of the disciples listen and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Folks, we are living in a time, again, where the world is so very dark, but we need to be like the church in Smyrna. 
that we need to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. You see, they were Christians that were letting their light shine in a dark world, but they were being persecuted for that testimony. I love Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But look at the words. But the Lord deliver, delivereth them out of them, what? All. See, no matter what we go through, no matter what we face, if we stay faithful to God, God will deliver us out of any affliction, out of any persecution, and they certainly could attest to the fact of what it's like to have trials in their lives, trials in the church. Notice a couple things about their trial. It mentions here the trial of persecution. Now, the word it uses here in verse 9 is the word tribulation. The word tribulation literally means pressure. It means crushing an object under the weight of something very heavy. You ever see a, maybe an automobile run over a soda can and just completely smashes it? Or like whenever I was a kid, and sometimes I was out playing around, and I'd be walking down on the side of the road, and I'd look over, and I'd see something funny. I'd walk over, and I'm thinking, what is that? And I'd look down, and it was a frog that was flat as a pancake. I'm thinking, that frogger didn't get across the road, did it? You know? And that church in Smyrna was, was one that was under heavy tribulation. They were under a lot of pressure. They were being pushed down by something that was very heavy, and they were paying the price for their allegiance to Jesus Christ. I, I, don't, I can't stand here and prophetically tell you what the days are going to hold for Christians. I mean, certainly if we watch the news, there are countries in the world that many are being persecuted and beheaded and martyred for their faith in Christ. I, I don't know what will happen in the days ahead in the United States of America. If we continue to live for the Lord, what will become of Christians? I'm certainly not trying to terrify anyone. I'm trying, not trying to cause you to want to run for the hills and hide somewhere. As a matter of fact, if there ever was a time that we need to stand for the Lord, it's in this present day and hour. A lot of Christians today are still in the closet. They're afraid to come out publicly. And again, I think we have to be wise about what we do. But understand that the Bible says in Romans 8.36, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Hey, understand that this persecution that the church in Smyrna was going through was not only pagans in Smyrna, and there were plenty of them. But did you catch what the Bible says? It was also some who were Jews. The Lord himself called them the synagogue of Satan. These were wicked people. And so I see the trial of persecution, but I also see their trial of poverty. Look again what it says here. He says, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty. Now that word poverty, uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, when I was a kid growing up, uh, you couldn't have told me until I got older that, that we were poor growing up. I never knew it. 
I just thought it was normal to eat beans four or five times a day. But there may come a day where we may find ourselves in a different situation. This church, the Lord said, I know thy poverty. Now this word poverty is a word that means absolutely destitute. Now think to yourself, well, they were God's people. Now listen, they were not destitute of the Lord. They were destitute of everything that this world has to offer. You see, this world's not our home. You can take everything someday, put it in a U-Haul, but guess what? You can't take that U-Haul with you when you go to, the, to be with the Lord. Who would want it anyway, right? We're trading this old world for heaven someday. But Jesus said, I know thy poverty. These people had nothing of this world's goods. I love the songwriter. He said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Another songwriter said, you can have this world's wealth. He says, just give me Jesus. That's all we need, folks. He's all we need. I think about these folks, and I wasn't there, but I can tell you that if they walked in, and this may have happened to some of you, if they walked into a place of business to get a job and somebody asked them a question and they said, well, I'm a Christian, they were probably denied jobs because they were Christians. You see, there used to be a day every week where Christians didn't work and it was called the Lord's Day. A lot of Christians today are being forced to work on the Lord's Day. And you know why? Because we think that if we stand up and say, I won't work on the Lord's Day that we will lose our job. Now, that may happen. But I've known other Christians who have said, listen, if God wants me to have this job, then I'm going to tell them before I get hired that I'm not working on the Lord's Day. And if they don't let me have the job, then I just won't take the job. Now, certainly don't walk into your workplace tomorrow, get fired and say it's pastor's fault, all right? Don't do that. But understand here that they were denied many things, and they were mocked for who they were. They were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you something. The devil will do everything he can to try to get, just like the church in Smyrna, Christians to deny their faith in Christ. Look what Jesus said himself in Matthew 10. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father, which is in heaven, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny also before my Father, which is in heaven. Hey, listen, don't be ashamed to be a Christian. Now, again, it may cause you some poverty, but I'll tell you this much, my Father is rich in houses and lands. He holds the wealth of the world in his hands. Listen, I'm gonna, I, you can have whatever this world has to offer, I'm going to tell you something. I would not trade being a Christian for one thing this world has to offer. And see this church in Smyrna, he says, listen, I, I understand the trials that you're going through, the, the tribulation, the persecution, the poverty. Notice another thing about their trial was prison. The Bible says again in verse number 10, he says, some of you are going to be cast into prison that you may be tried and you shall have tribulation 10 days and be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Now, really what the Lord's doing, are you listening this morning, Christian? The Lord was informing them, and God's informing us today, 
that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall. He was saying to the church in Smyrna, there is more persecution. There is more trial. There's going to be more test coming down the road. Now again, I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom this morning, but understand that it says right here, some of you are going to be cast into prison. Some of you are going to be put to the test. And what will you and I do when that happens in our lives? Will we stand for the Lord? I studied out and honestly, when I looked at it, I couldn't find any justification for what those 10 days are mentioned. Many believe that it's just a mention like you find in other passages in the Old Testament where it talks about a short period of time. Now, 10 days will seem like an eternity if you're being persecuted, but understand that our trials are but a light affliction, the Bible says. They're a season. They're but for a moment. I think about the, the trials of prison and how the Bible even talked about in the days of the disciples, how that, that there was one of the disciples that was taken and his life was taken and how the Bible talks about that there were others like Peter that was cast into prison. Hey, listen, prison back in Bible days was not like prison today. People go to prison now and they got flat screen TVs and they got ping pong tables and pool tables. They've got every kind of food to eat. Honestly, I've talked to, I know prisoners who have got out and have intentionally done something to get put back in. You know why? Because they got a place to sleep. They got three meals a day. They can do anything they want. Hey, back in Bible days when you were put in prison, you were waiting for death. The Bible says in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Hey, they didn't know if Peter was going to be let go or not. You know why? Because the king had just killed James. And what was to keep him from taking the life of Peter? Because many looked at Peter as the leader of the church in the first century. I was reading this week about back in 155 A.D., a disciple of John the Beloved, his name was Polycarp. He was martyred for the Lord Jesus. The magistrate attempted to get Polycarp to renounce his faith. And he said this, Swear and I will set thee at liberty. Reproach Christ to that, the 86-year-old man. Cried out, 80 and 6 years have I served him. And he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Then they led him to a stake to burn him alive. They were about to nail him to the post of that stake. And they heard him say, leave me as I am. For he gave me strength to endure the flame. Will also he enable me without securing me by nails to remain without moving in the pile? And the record is that as the flames rose up about him, that he was heard praying and rejoicing. You see, there are those that have given their life, they've been martyred for their faith in Christ. The people of Smyrna, they were people that, that, that the city there, they hated those believers. And the reason that they hated them, listen now, is they hated them because they loved Jesus hard to believe, but there will be people that will not like you because you love Jesus. 
The world we live in today is just like that. Jesus said in John 15, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If we're going to identify ourselves with the Lord, the world around us is going to hate us. And so Jesus commented about their trial, but then he talked about their testimony. Look back at verse number 9. Again, he says, I know thy works and thy tribulation and thy poverty, but thou art rich. I want you to see that as they were there being persecuted in the city of Smyrna, that here's a group of Christians that did not back down from their testimony in Christ. I love to get around Christians who don't mind telling other people, I'm a Christian. I went to the hospital one time, not my favorite place to be. I came in and they sat me down. They wanted to fill out all the paperwork and I was in intense pain. I, I just wanted somebody to, to take a look at me, give me whatever they needed to, a shot, a pill, something. And they were badgering me with all these questions for their paperwork before they'd even do anything. And they got down on their questionnaire to, what religion are you? Now, I was at St. John's Hospital. Some of you know where I'm going with this. They said, what religion are you? And I said, I'm a Baptist. And the lady looked at me and I said, I said, I'm a Baptist. And she's probably thinking, you're at St. John's Hospital. Well, John was a Baptist. <laughs> Go figure. But you know, you think about this, these people had a testimony. Every one of us that have been saved have a testimony for the Lord. And they stayed on course. You know what they did? They said, listen, we understand that it may cost us our lives. We understand that people might mock us and they might arrest us and they might make fun of us and we might be turned down for a promotion and we might lose our jobs. But guess what? God is faithful and we will stay faithful to our God. You think about uh, this city here, Smyrna. I love what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and keep you from evil. Remember, remember what Smyrna was famous for? It was famous for myrrh. See, as the world began to crush them, as the opposition was against them, listen now, as you endure things, and as those leaves were being crushed, remember what they gave forth? An odor. And as we go through things in our lives as children of God, and as we are being crushed, there ought to be something that is emitted from our lives that is a sweet-smelling savor to this world that we live in. You see, this crushed church was releasing the love of God. You know why? Because they had a positive testimony. You study it out, we'll get to all of them eventually, but there were seven churches in Asia Minor, and there were seven letters, one to each one of these churches. Last week, we looked at the church in, in, in Ephesus, and it was a church that the Lord talked about how that they were careless. Listen, it wasn't a negative thing about Smyrna, it was a positive thing. Matter of fact, you study it out, we'll get there eventually. There's only one other church, two out of seven churches, that the Lord actually gave commendation to, and it was the church in Smyrna and the church in Philadelphia. All the other ones received rebuke. All the other churches received words of correction, but the Lord 
was pleased with this church. You know why? Because it had a positive testimony. Hey, listen, I, I pray that Bible Baptist Church will have a positive testimony in this world that we live in. And listen, whenever you're out in the community, here's a good, good gauge. If somebody says, hey, do you go to church? And you say, yeah, I go to Bible Baptist Church. If somebody goes, oh, oh, that church. Now, it may be because we're standing for the Lord. But I've been, I've been around some areas with some churches that don't have a good name in their community. You see, this church had a positive testimony. It reminds me of Daniel. Remember how Daniel and those Hebrew children were ripped out of their homes and taken to a strange land? And look what it says in Daniel 6 and verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. You know what Daniel had? He had a positive testimony. And that's what us, as Bible-believing Christians in 2017, you and I need to have a positive testimony, but also, listen, they had a powerful testimony. I mean, you look at, their, at this church, and the Lord says this. He says, I know thy works. The word there deals with their business. In other words, how they conduct themselves and what they were involved in. They weren't intimidated by what was going on around them. They weren't frightened. Uh, they proved that they genuinely loved the Lord and that they had faith in the Lord. Look at Psalm 119, and this is the longest of all the songs, but I want you to notice the first three verses talking about a testimony. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You see, the Apostle Paul was like the church in Smyrna. He had a powerful testimony for the Lord. Look what he wrote to Timothy. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. He says, I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding, even though no one else stood with me, look what he says, the Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me that by me, the preaching might be fully known that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Hey, listen, every one of us need to understand that the testimony that you have, it can be used by God in a powerful way to touch the lives of those around us. Everyone needs to understand that Jesus was watching this church in Smyrna, and he saw their trial, but he also saw their testimony, how it was positive and it was powerful. Down through the years, listen to this, some 70 million believers have died for their faith in Jesus. Every year, some 300,000 believers are martyred for their faith in Christ. And one day, it may be our turn to stand. The question you need to ask yourself this morning is, am I ready for that day? What will I do in that day? See, he commented about their trial, and he talked about their testimony, but notice he gives us a tremendous thing about this church in Smyrna. He talks about their treasure. Look again in this passage, and I want you to see, first of all, the interest of heaven. Because the Lord comes to this church, and he gives them a message of comfort. You see, the Bible says here in verse number 9, 
I know thy works. Now, it doesn't say this in your Bible, but you can find that the meaning is there. You really could say, I know thy works. I know thy tribulation. I know thy poverty. And then he says, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews. You see, I love the fact here that Jesus knows what we're going through. Jesus knows all about our struggles, right? The Lord knows everything. He knows where you are today. He knows what you're going through. And what has he promised us? That he will never leave us nor forsake us. You see, it's encouraging to know that the Lord is always there to help us. Look what it says in Hebrews 2. In him, in that he himself suffered being tempted, that he is able to secure them that are tempted. Look, I see the interest of heaven, how that he was interested in what was going on in the church in Smyrna, and he's interested in what's going on at Bible Baptist Church, and he's interested in what's going on in your life today. I see the interest of heaven, but secondly, I see the involvement of heaven. Because back in verse number 8, look at these words. Under the angel of the church, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't realize who that's talking about, that's talking about the Lord himself. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He that was dead and is alive. And he is saying, listen, I want you to understand that everything that you will face, everything that you will go through, I have already been there. I've already faced it. That's what he is comforting them with, that he's already secured the victory for us. Look at Romans 8, verse 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Just a few verses before that, the Bible says, what should we say then to these things? In other words, when tribulation, when testing comes, when we might be persecuted, what should we say to all these things? That if God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, listen, I see the involvement of heaven. He is the I am. He is the one that was dead and is alive. And I see the interest of heaven, the involvement of heaven. But notice, I also see their investment in heaven. Look what the Bible says here. Again, Jesus says, I know thy poverty. Again, you look at that word there, and it sounds bad, but look, look, did you miss the little parentheses there? Look at it again. He says, but thou art what? Rich. How many of you know you're rich today? Hey, if you're saved, you're a child of the king, guess what? You're rich. I always like to have fun with unsaved people. You know, boy, I wish I had some money. Well, how much do you need? My father's rich. Really? How much does your dad have? I don't know. He can't count it all. No bank can hold what my dad has. And I mean, as long as they'll let me play that game, I'll just go on and on and on because the truth is he owns the wealth in every mine. Cattle on a thousand hills. Hey, listen, God owns it all. This is his world. This is our father's world. And I see that he says, look, I understand that according to this world standards, you are poor but he says, uh, I want to tell you something, you are rich. Listen to me this morning, do you realize how rich you are? How blessed we are? That's what he's saying to the church in Smyrna. He says, look, you might be poor in this life, but you're going to be rich over there someday. The Bible says, 
as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. I love this conversation. By the way, what I'm about to read to you is a true story. And it goes like this. A, a believer was arrested during some very terrible days of tribulation. They arrested, uh, they attempted to threaten him to cause him to recant his faith in the Lord Jesus. And he said to them, if you do not recant your faith, we are going to banish you. And the Christian said, do what you will with me, because my Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The magistrate then said to him, we'll take all of your property and your possessions away from you. And the man being faithful said, no, you can't do that either. My treasures are laid up in heaven where no human hand can touch them. The, the magistrate then said, if you do not renounce Jesus, we will put you to death. And he said, you can't do that either. He says, I've been dead with Jesus for 40 years. My life is hid with Christ in God, and you can't touch it. Hey, listen, folks, that's where we need to get to in our lives, is to realize there is nothing this world can do because we are more than conquerors. What does Jesus say to us? The same thing he said to the church in Smyrna. Be thou faithful. Keep your allegiance to the Lord Jesus. But I want you to notice the last thing that we see here is their inheritance in heaven. Their inheritance in heaven. Jesus was saying, you might lose it all down here, but you will live forever up there. The Bible says in verse number 11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. In the last part of verse number 10, he says, I will give thee a crown of life. I love that word there. That crown is called Stephanus. It's actually the victor's crown. Jesus said in John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You look at this church in Smyrna, listen, just like in the world we live today, it got bad in Smyrna. If you take the time to study it out even more, you'll find out how very bad it really got there. And if we live any longer in this world, guess what? It's probably going to get worse. But you know what the end of it is? The end of it is we will be with Jesus. That's the end of it, folks. So you know what I say today? Let's learn from the words of Jesus to this crushed church. Let the world crush away. But let's pledge our allegiance to the Savior and to whose kingdom it stands. Jesus Christ, who was dead and is alive. Let's be overcomers. Let's pray this morning. Lord, Thank you for this church, this body of believers that in spite of the trials maintained a sweet testimony, one that had a, a good odor in their, in their community, in their world. And Lord, they were rewarded with a tremendous treasure. And if there's someone here this morning that does not know Christ, Lord, heaven is a reality because the Bible says God is not willing that any would perish 
but that all would come to repentance. God wants everyone to go to heaven someday. He wants to give everyone eternal life, everlasting life. And we will spend eternity in one of two places. And if there is someone here this morning that has never believed on the Lord Jesus, then they are already bound to a Christless eternity. But if they know the Lord, and many of us do in this auditorium, heaven is going to be a sweet place. The trials and tribulations of this world will soon be o'er. But Lord, we will spend an eternity with you. I pray that you bless this invitation, Lord, that you would use it as you speak to hearts. Lord, may we respond in Jesus' name. Amen.